0: My friends welcome to fast friends forever i'm august woody my pronouns are they them
1: i'm not too twer, my pronouns are he him um, and i'm rich
2: harrison i'm also he him
0: today we're talking about iron chic and their 2010 album not like this iron chic is a punk rock band from long island new york they formed in 2008 after the breakup of the band ladderman and you can still feel some of that in their dna they've released three full-length albums and I believe I counted nine splits in EPs. So <laughs> they've got a lot of those going on. Nine sounds
2: about right. And they've just, uh, just this week, is recording and released a new single.
0: Yeah, I saw that. And, yes.
2: a, and a pretty sweet Depeche Mode cover as well. Such a
1: random second song of the same cover. Very uh, much welcomed. Very welcomed. Not going to hit a Depeche Mode cover. Was not expecting a Depeche Mode cover from Iron Cheek. But yeah, that new song is great. Ancient Pistol great song. You got Iron Sheik. They are a quintessential fest band, right? And every song on all the releases, these anthemic bangers, pop punk, punk, emo bangers, that just tickle your brain, you know, every time. Everything from not like this to you can't stay here. Just this infectious energy. You can't help but at least give a couple of woes, even if you don't know the lyrics. Like, you can't get better than that.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, I think you guys mentioned it on your Fest this year's recap, like seeing bands doing covers of Iron Sheik, even though Iron Sheik weren't playing this year. I know my friends in Tide Radio, they played they played a cover and there is a video where you can very much see me joining in on the mic on YouTube. (laughs) That's what it's all about. That's what it's about. I think my first encounter with
1: Iron Chic was Fest 16 and I was at I don't remember who I was seeing about Diddley, but there's this guy I was talking to. I think I was talking to some huge, huge, cool motherfucker, giant dude, and he was like, "Bro, you gotta come see Iron Sheik dog. You just gotta come. You gotta come see them. You're like, you just, just stop what you're doing. Whatever you have, don't go. i come see Iron Sheik. Uh, <laughs> I didn't go see them. I, you know, I was like, I can't not. I, I have something else to go see. But well, I listened to them afterwards. And around this, around the time that they just dropped, uh, you can't stay here. Yeah, 2017, 20, yeah, I believe Fest 16. They dropped it. And I I burned through that record. Like, I can't count the times I played that record, bought the CD, then I went back to not like this. And then I made sure to see my Fest 17. I made sure to volunteer for Barricade Security at Bo Diddley for that set. And I know, like, I think my banner on Facebook is still a picture from that set, maybe. I don't update it, but probably.
0: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think I'd, I'd heard of them. So I'm like, my first fest was Fest 13 in 2014. Um, and I'd heard of them before and like listened to them a bit through like friends in the UK, but then kind of was like, oh, I'll go along and see them. And I think that was the first year that Bo Diddley was used and they were playing Bo Diddley And I was like instantly hooked on them as a live band for sure. Um, I've seen them a bunch of times since, kind of wherever I can. Never disappoint. How about you, August?
0: I don't remember how I got into them originally. I want to say that I was into them before I started going to Fest, but maybe I just got into them because of Fest. That's very possible they're really incredible they're really really fun to watch live i've seen them i want to say most of the years that i've been going to fest and yeah they're really solid and it's funny because when i listen to their discography on spotify sometimes i'm like there's so much in here and i feel like i don't know a lot of these songs but then i see them live and i'm like (laughs) i know all of these songs
2: I think, they- yeah, I think they do have a bit of, like, the, the set list that they tend to play. And they do tend to be off the, the three bigger records rather than off the... Like, you know, we mentioned how many splits and EPs they have. Yeah. They just tend to be... They play off the records.
0: Yeah, they're really good at crafting that set list, though, because it's great.
2: Yeah, I mean, they know they know people want to hear. They
1: know what probably they want to hear. Like, I mean, you know, you always wonder, man, y'all have been banned for so long. Do you get tired playing some of the songs some of these records? From certain records. I know some bands, you know, they will retire an album they'll retire some songs like screaming females i don't know when was the last time they played a song from their first three records that wasn't bell from power move Uh, i think at fest they played another one from there i have to look at the set set list here somewhere they played another song which like surprised me from i think the first three albums but they usually don't touch that but i imagine iron chic really enjoy playing cutesy monster man every time because of the response it gets every time and time keeps slipping into the cosmic future every time
0: yeah yeah it does seem like they are happy with the hits that they have which is good because we love them and we want to hear them (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah for sure i mean i mean i you know i think my favorite set i saw them was they came over and played the uk and they played manchester punk festival in 2018 and it was they were headlining one of the stages at the same time as propaganda so it was like a really hard choice of who's go see i we went to go see iron chic yeah they opened up with qc monster man and it was just i mean th- mpf's always kind of like april time mm-hmm. and for some reason it was like the hottest like april weekend that we had in a long time and the venue was so sweaty that afterwards that you went into the bathrooms and the the mirrors in the bathrooms were just covered with condensation it was that warm in the venue mm. <laughs> so yeah they, they definitely kind of brought it and everybody enjoyed it for sure yeah when a band can make
1: you move in a super sweaty venue
2: that is that's a good sign Oh, for sure! Like, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I couldn't believe how sweaty that venue was. I mean, we don't we don't do AC very well in Europe at times, and that was definitely a good example of it.
0: (laughs) There was one year at Fest when Iron Sheet played a secret set at Lucy's, and it was awesome. Everybody was really really stoked obviously lucy's is a tiny venue and everybody who got in was really excited to be there but they had to cut the show short because somebody in the back of the room just whipped it out and started pissing on the floor <laughs> so <laughs> that's a thing that happened
2: yeah i mean i i think that is the one thing sometimes iron chic is they do bring out the browier fan shall we say you know
1: yeah I think they can bring that crowd out probably. I know probably when the Iron Sheik first started, you had a run left over from the Ladderman crowd. Something about them. It's cool that you bring everyone. Something about them brings out the, uh, as you said, it's was just that bro-y. There's bros. I got nothing against bros. I got nothing against, you know, anyone who loves a good melodic hook is solid in my book. But
2: yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's, they bring out that crowd. And if you, you kind of get into the lyrics of the songs, it's kind of like, bit darker than you would normally expect that crowd to be into but i think yeah i think it's the the melodies in the hooks more than anything yeah
1: <laughs> so i completely forgot about the story the guy pissing in the crowd in the back at lucy's that's terrible and hilarious terribly hilarious looking yeah
0: i remember her. thinking that it was funny at the time and then kind of like looking back on it and being like no that's really fucked up why would you do that
1: yeah especially if he's in the back at lucy's. the bathroom is right there unless
2: yeah. that's exactly what i was gonna
0: say
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like, i've i've slid on that floor in Lucy's when it's just beer well what I hope it's just beer um, <laughs> but yeah so I couldn't imagine uh, it being finished of the, the piss everywhere but I'll take a quick look
1: Does that the album itself you know not like this I think it's just perfect right they come back They the demo they re- they dropped in 2008 and the album you know, they already have all this experience with Letterman probably uh, whatever they did before then bit in between between Letterman and Iron Sheik and so you're coming into this awesome polished you know no froze record that knows what it's trying to put out knows what it's trying to do they they know what they're doing right and it's it, mid-tempo shouted choruses this infectious sound throughout it with a lot of emotional and sincere songs just from beginning to the end right it's insane bass lines this like distorted bass love that 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 like snare to me that they're to me, their sound on their drums is pretty iconic. That that like kind of wound up snare sound with you know take the album, dunk it in a pool of existentialism, and all that, and you have a perfect debut.
2: Yeah, I think I think we yeah we were talking about kind of coming from Latterman and Reviver. You can uh, kind of uh, all that kind of group of bands that kind of came out of that that group that I've seen at Fest a bunch of times as well. Like just any of them kind of get me hyped, and this is you know when. When you said we're going to do this record and listen to it again, I was like, I still feel as hyped listening to it now as I did, you know, a decade ago. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Every time.
0: Yeah. And what you said about them kind of having that experience already, they have a really DIY approach to how they make music. All the band's recordings are handled by the guitarist Phil Douglas at his studio. It's called The Hobo House. And all the band's artwork is done by the singer Jason Lebrano with additional designs provided by the drummer Gordon. And then most of the band's merch and music is handled and distributed through the bassist Mike Bruno's Dead Broke Records. So they're kind of doing everything on their own. I think uh, one of their later albums they had released, what was it? Um,
1: yeah, they did um, Can't Stay Here's on Side One Dummy Records.
2: Yeah, Constant One's Bridge Nine. Yeah.
0: Yeah, most of the rest of their stuff goes through dead broke. So that's pretty cool.
1: Oh, it's, uh, they know what they're doing. They practice what they preach, that very DIY mindset. And I mean, it shows. It shows touring to across Europe and across the country, all pretty much on their Mostly a lot of their own like backing effort and production. Always impressive. Always impressive.
0: Yeah, I think it's so cool when bands can do that. I mean, I feel like Iron Chic is one of the biggest bands that I can think of that is just kind of doing everything on their own from the beginning. And I mean, I know some bands that kind of end up starting their own record label later on, but bands that start out that way, it's hard to, you know, get a following like that when you're just starting out.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think like, you know, the one that immediately comes to mind is something like... um... Jeff Rosenstock or something like that, they, they kind of come along and do a lot of their own DIY stuff. But, you know, they, they, I think probably kind of drawing on the on the, the the most impressive thing there, August, is there's there's few and far between of bands that kind of maintain that DIY throughout and have the following that Iron Sheik
1: do. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Maintaining the DIY ethos and ethic, maintaining the following, staying touch and true with uh, who you are, right? And the identity you set for yourself as a person, as a musician, it's a hard balancing act. Of course, you know, it makes sense as a band gets bigger and what the fans are asking of the artists and what the artist expects themselves to do, obviously sometimes will go beyond what, what you maybe think or what you can do feasibly fully DIY. So you get a label. The label helps out with that. When money comes in, that's how it goes. So being able to maintain all of that for years. And it's the an experience that helps, right? You know, Jeff Rosenstock doing stuff, bottom of the music industry. And Wave and and then Ladderman, whatever they did before Ladderman into Iron chic, Like having that long experience
2: really helps you maintain who you are and where you are. For sure. And I think as well, you know, you know, I'm lucky enough to have kind of some friends in and around the new york and the long island area and when you talk to them and and Sheet comes up in conversation you can see how influenced they are and inspired they are by what and Sheet have done they kind of go out there and put music out as well so i think that's almost like another thread of that diy ethos that that iron sheet really brings to the table um and obviously kind of we're going to talk about not like this but that's like you know their first record that really kind of put that out there and it's still like i said you know we're over oh, getting close to a decade and a half later and it still sounds fresh So fresh and still so influential.
0: All right, all right. Well, this album has ten tracks and a runtime of just over thirty minutes. So let's get into it. The first track on the album is called "Cutesy Monster Man."
2: Uh, It's it's that song. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you know. I'm trying to think of a way to describe it other than like. It's the song, I mean, it's just, it grabs you straight away and kind of, in the right way, kind of just like hits you in the ears. Yeah. And, you know, if it's it's really funny that it's, you know, it's their first song and their first record, and it's probably still the song. If I was to go to somebody and introduce them to Iron Sheik today, it might be that song. I'm like, right, that's your first song to listen to. Oh, absolutely. I'm still showing people, like, this is, what I saw with Iron Sheik
1: right here. Just play Koozie Monster Man and tell me what you think. It is... No matter where, no matter what the stage is, the audience, the crowd, this song comes on at any point in the set, and you just know, like, if there's a barricade, it's going to start creaking, right? It's going to start breaking. If there's no barricade, that stage is just going to have a lot of sweat on it. It's just this perfect album start. It's like a declaration, almost, of coming back into the fold after the end of Ladderman. You know, they're ready to call it quits, but... Just that start, I want to smash my face into the goddamn radio. And it may seem strange, but these urges come and go, kind of like, you know, we can't stick away. Every time we hear something on there, I got a, the urge to come back and spit our truth as a band. And it's just incredible start.
0: The album is called Not Like This, but because of the album artwork and because of the song, I just always think of it as the Cutesy Monster Man album. <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
2: I just think it's it's one of those ones where like you you kind of it's think you know we were saying it's a ten track album straight away it's kind of like just gets going it's there's an immediacy to it it's you know it kind of even when you get down to the, the slower bits it's it's still a sing-along there's a the bit where it kind of gets into the breakdown and you kind of like you know i know every time that you see in live everybody's kind of starts to clap along and things like that and it's just straight away like, i you know i'm talking about it, i can just i'm smiling just talking about this song just because i've got so much memory associated with it now
0: yeah. yeah
1: being in the crowd hit the bridge song slows down everyone up in unison I sold my soul, now I age but don't get old, old. which is fantastic. I think that's a fantastic lyric. Like another big thing that really draws everyone into Iron Sheik, the lyric writing, the lyricism of, um, I think it's Jason Lebrano, who's the lead, main vocalist. It's the writing is so interesting, really intelligent, weaving words in, crafting images to get everything across from this album to all their splits to can't stay here just processing things like you know grief and just emotional difficulties and life itself existentialism it and it never it never gets old it never gets old and they always sound so relevant so fresh so like it's like you just wrote them today i gotta say
2: yeah and i think you know the, the chorus as well has just got such a good lick to it just the way it's you know, there's the whoa's in there that everybody can join in. You know, even if you don't know the song that well, you hear the woes, everybody can join in, it's fun. But then actually, like I was saying earlier, you know, the lyrics underneath it are kind of really quite a bit more poignant than just, you know, then it's not just a song for me. A song's sake, you can tell there's a lot of meaning there. And kind of, you know, that bit, that bit in the middle, it's like maybe find the will to sing, you know, all the things I can never say, you know, just like, oh, actually, yeah, there's something there underneath it all. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Just like you pointing that out rich i kind
1: of seeing it now like this song "Kitsumatsu man it's not just you know them coming back into the fold but then also saying like you know it's like yeah there are things you want to talk about we're going to talk about it on this album and also that is for us the audience and for listeners and fans you know if you can't say or put your thoughts into words well when we start playing you can find the will to say what you want through us right say we're the band is your microphone your vocal your focal point and we will sing out what you and what we are feeling you know just this great connectedness in this tight intro track
0: all right well the next track on the album is called time keeps on slipping into the cosmic future this is another big one for iron Sheet for sure
2: I could, I think we're both like that's what I know. I sat here just. Go, I can hear. It, it going, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I can explain. I think it's really actually hard to articulate how these songs. Work sometimes, yeah. They're just like yeah. I'm just like yeah. This song. So good. <laughs> that's gonna be the entire this entire episode. <laughs> oh God! Wow! Just, just oh, is it Just <laughs> ah. I think yeah, I think I think you know the whole song is great, but I think it will you know where it hits is the bit kind of the bridge at the end where it really slows down. Yes. And, you know, and it's it it's got the kind of refrain that goes over a couple of times, which is the, the bit where it goes, you know, if I can ask one thing when I am dead, would you lay me down by the riverbed? And it kind of goes through all that, bit, and it's I don't think there is a song out there that there probably probably maybe songs that match it for me, and I can't think of them off the top of my head. But I, I don't think there's many songs that are like as cathartic to sing along to as this at times when, you know, you just need that song. that's just like you've got some energy you need to get, get out into the world and you just don't know how to do it. Sometimes this is the song that I put on. I'm just like, I just need to sing along to it.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's got that really good mixture of, you know, being thoughtful and kind of, I mean, it's talking about death, right? But it, it also is really, really fun to sing in a crowd.
1: yeah especially right when it starts same with it starts off you know everyone's shouting the cycle goes on and on it's incredibly fun also the 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 three album run in the sorry the three song run intro on this album with cute monster man time keeps slipping in and then the next song we'll look at time cop is my favorite on any album like some i like songs some albums i prefer have a better intro i think some albums have a better two song but this this three song start that bleeds into each other, hitting you with all these, hitting you with some pretty heavy topics, but not making you feel the weight of the conversation and the topics, right? Time cop, that's uh, not time cop, time keeps on slipping to the cosmic future, looking at, you know, doesn't matter what you're going to do, you're going to be dragged forward until the heat death of the universe, right? Doesn't matter if everything's wrong or nothing is wrong, right? We're going to be torn apart, but uh, you can take solace in knowing that regardless, you know. It's kind of tranquil getting to that last bridge, like Rich, like Rich was talking about, getting to that last bridge in the outro, just like, you're going to be washed away. And that's it. Better off, you know, just that. end. whenever I sing it, like I don't look at death or the t- end of time, the end time. Very scared outlook. It's very, this song leaves me very calm afterwards. Like I'm very, you know, Jedi Knight inner peace
0: yeah the line and i'm better off that way is really important here i think they have a really good way of you know talking about some heavier topics but then bringing it back around to being positive somehow
2: yep yeah i think there is i don't don't know positives maybe quite where i'd go definitely (laughs) uh, like an acceptance that like there is you know it's kind of natty mentioned it earlier and and one there is a kind of existentialism to all of this and them, just them going yeah well you know essentially you know this is where we're all going to end up eventually and you know accepting that as is is fine it's okay kind of thing you know i'm better off accepting that than not than than not accepting it that's how i read it personally yeah
1: yeah just accept it just take it. The thing else that helps get that message across too, Jason's delivery. You know, the songs, he's not just singing, he is like singing these lyrics at you, right? Like, is almost larger than life in a way, just at you. Like, he has a megaphone, you know, every time he blasts a track, and you don't have a choice but to join and sing back at him and the band. And which really helps the acceptance of that. Because once you accept that, you know, you. They so start accepting what the songs are placing in front of you, right? What they're what they're proposing to you.
2: I, 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 it works really well because actually, as as great as Jason is as a frontman, and he he actually, you know, he I can't describe his style. He just kind of like you say, he draws you in. But then actually, you've got Phil who does quite a lot of the vocals as well, and they all kind of meld really well, and it it feels, you know, I think I think it just all feels very genuine. Like every single, every single song, every time they sing it. Yeah. Feel like they're, they're going through the motions. Yeah. Which is like an example, a testament to
1: their lyric writing. Cause they probably fully believe in what they, you know, they're writing out in these songs. Like, you know, this is everything we have. This is truly how we feel, how we think. And that's what keeps that authentic, that authenticity, that genuine feeling from their songs. I think we, I think we can move on to the next track, track three, Time Cop.
0: Remember the pain of growing up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm 36 and I'm still feeling that pain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Remember one time was all we had. No care for the sound of the hourglass. This song is a perfect example of what Rich was talking about with Jason filling the lyrics and the vocals because this song, they do go back and forth. It's like, I believe it's Phil starts off. And then there's parts where they sing together, and then Jason comes up, they sing together, Jason sings, they sing together, and they're singing together in the chorus, and then back and forth.
0: Y'all, I'm so fucking bad at identifying vocalists. It's ridiculous. I'm like, I hear I hear okay. words, that's what I got.
2: Yeah, I think, I well, I think they both have very kind of similar vocals. Like, yeah. Yeah, like if you're watching them live, and just kind of coming out of time for a sec, is watching them live, there's sometimes like three or three or four of them singing. And it's like, I can just hear three of the same voice come through sometimes. <laughs> like, it, I, I don't hate it because like, then when they get the gang vocals going, it sounds amazing because it sounds really layered. Incredible. But there is like, it's three just solid singers who have a similar style altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is a hard band to identify any, like, the vocalist, as Rich said. Like, they do just sound
1: similar. Maybe, I think, Phil's maybe, like, a bit gruff, a tiny bit gruffer. Jason's voice is a tiny bit higher, but, like... Maybe slightly more melodic as well. Yeah. His delivery. Yeah, but again, this is, like, you know, moving the slider one notch in character creation or something like just one difference. It is I had to listen to a couple of times. When I look at the lyrics, I was like, oh wow, there's different vocals on this. I look at I had to listen to it to really single it out. But back to the writing and also how they play with how they sing the words like in the chorus. The regroup. Recalculate also just adds to the excitement of the song.
2: Yeah. And I think for me, I I like this song, it's it's kind of funny because it's kind of, there's like a nostalgia kind of built into it. And it's a very much like a reflecting on growing up and who you are now. Mm-hmm. There's all that bit, like saying, like set your sights on something bigger, kind of mm-hmm. um, within there. And I, I kind of like that, that That that's the kind of saying, like, you know, you've been through all this before, but it doesn't mean that you, you're standing still, you know, take that on board, learn from it think what's you know rushing in was your first mistake it's like well yeah you you learn from your mistakes and kind of move yourself on, on to different things and i think it's really interesting how that song kind of builds on that throughout in time yeah, yeah.
1: and it ends with this with looking at both of it you know the last chorus it's like after, set aside something bigger and these days not much has changed except how we feel and what's at stake we're still the same are we moving on you're still the same and then the lat the outro should we choose to linger or move on to better things right like you have the option you can sit in your nostalgia you can sit in that or do you use that to inform your future decisions to move on to better things like you have the option is one better than the other you know how open is your playing field and it's really interesting seeing as you said like the song evolve into that vague ending like it doesn't get any clearer which again is another recurring theme on this album nothing is clear in life things will never be clearer so you have to do what you can do what you must
2: yeah i think it's you know it is about kind of reflecting on on personal growth for me as well so i'm thinking i was I can't remember, what I was watching something today and some there was something that came out where somebody said, you know, if you don't grow as a human and change as a human over several years, you're probably doing something wrong in your life. And I think that this song kind of reflects on that that kind of feeling, you know, you can't control everything, but you can learn and, and grow as a, as a person. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, that's great. I like that. If you're not changing,
1: you're doing something wrong, you know, whether you're changing for better or for worse, right? If you're not, something is wrong. That's, 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 great. That's great. So I think we're ready to move on to the next track.
0: All right. The next track track four is I always never said that. The
1: song is just asking you to, you know, get, get some fucking humor, right? Don't take things so damn seriously. Wait, like, where are we going to go?
2: Yeah, and I think it's funny that kind of thinking. You know, as we've been talking, I've been thinking about some of Iron Sheik's later albums as well, and you know, comparing them. But also just thinking about kind of th- there is a theme that run out runs through. And I think this is almost like obviously there's as you get into you can't say here you've got more about nihilism. Obviously, kind of comes out in that record. Yes, um I think this is actually like really strongly about nihilism as well in the undertones in there. It's like you know do don't take yourself too seriously be a bit more kind of like yeah it's, i mean at the end it says and not be so fucking humorless yeah it's like well you yeah, have a bit of fun with life that's how i read it that kind of there is a an irony and sarcasm to some of the darkness of the lyrics is what i found
0: yeah my, my favorite line from this track is life is weird but we're together here so what's the use in being normal i am really pro- one of my like biggest parenting wins i feel like is teaching jude that being weird is a good thing and i feel really really good about myself for really hearing that home in him and he knows that like anytime that i tell him that he's so weird he's like yeah so are you and (laughs) it's just it's like it's a point of pride for us and i think that that's so important because what is the use in being normal it's boring yeah life sucks
1: so why am I sitting here trying to put on some facade that I am a quote-unquote regular nine-to-five person with regular hobbies and, you know, have the schedule? Like, listen, schedule? <laughs> I I got no schedule. You know what I'm saying? I, I do what I want. I do what I can, what I have to. I have my weird hobbies, you know. I've been playing DDR and Pump It Up since 2005. Like, this is... <laughs> And people, give, people have what they mean. Like, why are you playing? What are you doing? You know, I'm like, I'm having fun. It's my thing. Don't take it seriously, dude. And then back to Rich's point about the nihilism. Definitely, it is on this album in a different way, right? It's a lot more vague and saying that, you know, things can go on. And that changes, of course, in Can't Stay Here, like at the end of the first verse on, um, no, oh, never said that Survive the bullet, take a breath, look at me, I'll be laughing at death, right? Is he saying laughing at the face of death or laughing when he dies, you know, which both in different perspective there and still really, uh, changed the theme of the song. And then Jason's delivery and how the song sounds and some of the lyrics, like if I hear another word about a better place, I'll paint these walls with my fucking brains. Like that's a that's a grim line, but the song Man. does not sound like how oh, can he? <laughs> how can I, you I mean, I, like
2: the, the first thing I wrote about this song in my notes was like absolute groove of a bass line. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. I was just like, so, and then, and then and yeah, we're talking about all these dark lyrics and nihilism and what, whatever we're talking about. And it's like, I mean, like, it's just got a killer bass and guitar riff. Yeah. Just, I'll paint these walls my fucking brains. Whoa. Like, right after. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. And then we'll, we'll sing along with big smiles on our face while well, that's what he's he's singing, singing about. Yeah. yeah. Quite a big juxtaposition there, yes. Yeah. While the bass, as you said, is just... Just absolutely incredible. He's just
1: laying down some awful stuff, but yeah, that's Iron Chic. It's a, uh, it's just this like it's all perfectly placed. The like the woes start when the line when the line ends. So like as soon as you have if it never fucking ends and then the woes come right in. You have wordplay. I mean, start to reminisce reminisce about better days or the uh, obliteration of the human race. You know, pauses there. It's. It's, ma- it's makes taking a really grim conversation and making it fun for the whole family.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it kind of then gets. I mean, as you go through that, it then gets into the. Well, I can't make sense of it, so why don't we just have fun with it? Why don't we just laugh anyway and get act like we're in on the joke? Yeah, the joke of not knowing what's going on. I mean, yeah, I think I think kind of. You know, I guess you were talking about your parenting style there, and you know, I'm I'm not a parent or anything, but it's taken me a long time to realize. Yeah, I need to embrace my own weirdness, my own. uh foibles and that's how i'll enjoy life much more and i definitely um yeah i definitely am advocating that f- to a lot of people in the minute it's just like you enjoy what you enjoy and life's too short not to enjoy it yep yep, yep. segue into the fifth song on this album
1: black friday which is probably one of my two favorite songs on the
2: record
0: yeah it's very much capitalism is trying to kill us so don't let it that's kind of the vibe
2: yeah, I mean, I wrote "Living in a Capitalist Hellscape" is a, a futility of existing. Like, do you work to live, or do you live to work? Like, yep. it's that like really kind of comes through on this song. Absolutely,
1: but with some of some of the best descriptions of things. Just, I think I, I like this song so much simply because like I like I like I like what I do. But it is constantly turning. I, w- I had to wake up by four, four thirty. Get to the radio station by like five, at least before five thirty, and I'm on air from six a.m. to ten a.m. Then I go home. I do some more work until one, but like working up waking up early is a drag. We get up early, we come home tired, our lives for hire, you know, hands are on my throat. This place is filled with ghosts. And just like describing, clap your hands, do the dead man
2: shuffle. I'm like, that is k- great.
0: Yeah. I, mean,
2: I, I work I've been working a dash job for like 15 years. So when I see slouch our way into an early grave, I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Move your feet to this dead end beat get out of bed, get fucking dressed, get busy. Cause you got no choice, you
2: know, like, yeah, I think, you know, th- I mean, this was again, you know, written a long time ago, you know, you probably, this song was probably written 10 years ago. And I think actually in a, in a kind of, uh, you know, more, more people, like I say, i I'm, I kind of come from a, my job's been in a desk job professional environment for, for a long time. And, more and more people i'm talking to who have been doing it for as long as me if not longer are kind of starting to question whether that's what they should be doing Mm. and i think so i think actually this song has probably as much for me personally anyway kind of as much meaning as any song on the record at the minute just being very aware of does it have to be the way that we have been you know i've been have i been sleepwalking through my life just because you know this is what is expected of me or do i do you know do i need to do something different Right, but again, like the bit where you were just saying about like clap your hands with the dead man shuffle, guitar lick around there, I, I love. Yeah,
1: <laughs> 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 uh, why does it sound? Why does it sound so good while I'm having an existential crisis about what I do for work? And then again, just how he also sings it, right? Just really showcasing that the the voice is an instrument
2: oh for sure and i think this kind of comes back to kind of we're saying these things and i think this kind of comes back to what i was saying earlier about the the broier element of the of the fan base is like i know why the broie element of the fan base are there because they you know they're, they're such good musicians and they write such catchy like licks and and hooks to their songs but then yeah when, when we're, we're kind of delving into the lyrics you're like yeah, it's maybe not quite that mm-hmm. it's like, maybe i shouldn't be so happy singing these songs anymore i mean I've, I've probably been singing them ironically for far too long to not enjoy them now <laughs> yeah.
0: i still think like when they say and think of better ways to keep busy mm-hmm. I, I don't know i've I've always kind of thought about this song as saying you know we need to kind of try to fill our lives with more than just work and mm. think about you know the things that are going to make us feel more fulfilled uh, i mean obviously you know it's like killing ourselves for a living wage like we're we're spending more time than we should at work but you know trying to find those moments where we can where we can be ourselves right
1: because that that's what keeps us going you know capitalism we are forced to do what we must but that doesn't mean we have to lose ourselves entirely right yeah find ways to keep busy
0: all right the next track on the album is know what i mean Jelly Bean
1: great title
0: it doesn't doesn't feel like it really matches the vibe of the song but...
1: <laughs> not at all.
2: no and i think i think what i was gonna say is like actually for me this is like just just the vibe of it just the way it kind of like it's probably like the most obvious punk song on the record it's there's an urgency to it that is just like smacks me in the face when i, I listen to it it's kind of you know is it, it just feels a bit more of, of a typical punk song than what has preceded it up to now on the album i mean i think i think as well probably that it's a slightly for me like the way i mean this is me me reading it i could be reading it wrong but it's kind of much more of a you know still still very introspective but it, it feels a, a lot more kind of around a, a typical kind of uh, talking from a male perspective like bottling up feelings and not being able to express them that kind of what society allows you to to not do almost mm-hmm. and that, i think that's probably where that urgency comes from of, of it's been bottled up for so long and now is it, it's almost forcing its way out. Like you can't bottle it up any longer. Right. Yeah. I think you can say, yeah, more of a
1: punk general. I mean, they're a melodic punk band, but definitely this song is, you know, more straight up on the punk side, less of the melodic punk we hear from the other songs. And yeah, it's a song straight up about grief, grief and dealing with emotions, right? Like, like allowing yourself to cry, even though you've been told you can't. And like, I always see it, The song says I couldn't stand to watch you die, so I died first. I always see like dying first could be a bunch of things, right? Like drinking yourself sick, using right anything, like doing something not good for you because you can't really express your emotions, you don't know how to properly cope, you don't have any good, you know, mechanisms. And so you abuse substances or you you just putting your body in harms where you're not eating uh, just to survive
0: or just shutting down i mean i know when yeah. my emotions get too big sometimes i just shut them off and it's just like all right i'm just not gonna feel this or anything else and you just kind of walk around like a zombie yeah yeah i mean like
2: i i can definitely say when i've been through some of the tougher times in my life i have shut shut myself away and shut people out and i think there's there's part of that in here and i think and i think as well kind of reflecting on it's almost a bit of a different way of looking at grief and feelings than we had earlier with i always never said that because that one's almost a bit and a bit of like being a bit glib about it and kind of like we were talking kind of almost like sarcastic to the point of nihilism this one is just more straight up like how do i deal with my feelings it's <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so true and also just like sonically, the little keys
1: or organ at the end. The not sure what that is supposed to be or insinuate in the terms of the song, but it just sounds good to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think I, li- I every time I've listened to it, I can't make out if it's like more of like a take on like church organ or it's like ball game sounds that kind of thing. I can't quite, you know, for me, I can't quite grasp it. I'm sure there'll be somebody out there who's got stronger feelings on it than me, but it's yeah, it's it, yeah. I just, I really there's those bits of this song where I'm just like, yeah. I mean, we we you know, it it's just feels so kind of visceral, viscerally roar as a song compared to some of the others on the, the record. Just like it is, it's just really talking about like that. I, you know, everything I love is going to die. You know, it doesn't matter what I do. I can't, you know i I, you know that line of it's not hard to keep it inside of feeling so hard to describe it's it's really funny because the feelings are coming out but then you can't describe the feelings and articulate it and it's really it's really strong where that's kind of coming through and i you know i know i felt like that in the past and it's taken a long time for me to be able to articulate those feelings sometimes so yeah i'm again like i mean i'm gonna say you know I love this record's rowing through. You can tell from from the conversation that we're having, but yeah, (laughs) it's like that. I'm just like, hell yeah. Love it.
1: Yeah. That's such a good point. And, you know, not knowing how to describe what you're feeling, but expressing it anyway, you know, like I'll fucking do it anyway. And it's like, you have to right? like in the bridge. He says, um, through all these years, I've learned a lesson. Everything I love will die in due time. And so you're going to be, you know, grief is going to come in those waves. And even if it's not acceptable or people in society say you shouldn't, you, you got to release it and you have to release those emotions in some shape or form.
0: Yeah, the line, everything I love will die in due time is the one that always sticks out to me the most in the song. And this is now going to be the second time in this podcast that I'm referencing the TV show, The Good Place, but... <laughs> the- <laughs> So in The Good Place, there's this whole vibe about how when you're in heaven and there's nothing else that's going to happen and you're just chilling forever, there's no sense of urgency. There's nothing that is pushing you to accomplish anything because you're just in this stasis, right? And having an end date, having something that... Is going to push you to, you know, make connections. That's important. And there's something about Iron Chic, like I said, that like something about it makes me find the positive in whatever it is that they're saying. So everything I love will die in due time. I look at that as saying, like, we need to hold on to the things that we love while we still can and you know take care of them because we know that they're gonna go away someday. Does does this make sense at all? <laughs> yeah for sure. Are you putting up what I'm taking up what I'm putting down. This is
2: <laughs> No. Absolutely. Yeah and I think I think it's actually, you know, we're talking about uh, on this song, I think, you know, if we're we're kind of moving into Osnificent as the next song, I actually wrote that there's this song is more hopeful. Like <laughs> as my first note on it. <laughs> So I think it's that kind of like, yeah, there is, I think there is like, despite, I she do hit those kind of, that despair feeling that you're talking about there, it, there is a, a kind of an underlying hopefulness to it as well, that it could be different.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess we can use that to, we can move on to Osnificent for X7, and I think, I feel like Osnificent kind of embodies in a way what you're saying august you can kind of see if that's all the same lines throwabouts you know you have and just looking at no one knows what they're doing you know what their lot is in life like that's the parable that's the myth that they're talking about the beginning that like i'm not lying to you everyone's faking we're make we're making it up as we go along we're just playing by ear and it's a cool thing as the band is the cool thing at the end of the first chorus you hear someone in the back saying this is so fucking dope
2: yeah i think it is that thing where like it isn't until you're older that you're in on i mean i think it even mentions the lyric on yeah it's kind of an inside joke like life is just everyone's in eventually when you get older everyone gets in on the bit of nobody really knows what they're doing and they're just hoping for the best
1: yeah uh, no absolutely and then also love the unison on this song because when you get to the chorus and he says um everybody just makes it up as they go along and you have the guitar that that melody chugging along at the same pace every every sound from the guitar is matched by every beat from jason like every vocal beat from jason which makes this one of my other second other favorite song because it's that part is just such an earworm like the singing and the guitar in
2: unison is incredible yeah and i think i think it's quite funny because it's like it's talking about everybody being on the joke in on the joke but then it's also saying how everybody sees life so differently you know you got the bits there it's like you know it's a mystery why we see things so differently but something has got to give and it's like we're all in on it but we're still not all on the same wavelength all the time and and whatnot and it's I do find this this kind of a bit of a jokier song, and I quite like going from the previous song into this one. It's like, it's a, it's a little bit lighter, at least. It kind of is not it's not all darkness. Yeah. With a mind like this, who needs enemies? This antagonist keeps
1: me honest. I mean, that's the joke right there. Just making it up as we go along.
0: <laughs> all right. Track eight, in one ear.
2: I think this is kind of like funny, because we were talking maybe about about the meanings behind the song so much, where this is a, almost a song about if... You know, especially the, with the, um, you know, the first verse where it's like, where it first comes in, it's like, is, is a song worth singing if there's no one listening? And it's kind of like, for me, I, I don't necessarily think, that there's, I think for me, the no one listening is no one really understanding the song and what, what the lyrics are really about. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels, it feels like it's kind of getting at people, getting at people who listen to songs, but then don't really kind of get what they're, they're meaning and, and not really on the same wavelength as the artist. Mm-hmm. was just just my read into it
0: this episode's gonna come out and iron Sheik's gonna be like you're fucking wrong about everything you just said
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm cool with it
1: hey getting a small some iron Sheik, period that's sick
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um i know with the dissolving of Ladderman, i know that when they broke up maddie canino said on the same punk news like like a broken record. Well, this could be from her point, could be from the band's point, but also the idea like burning out, people not listening to your message. She said she felt like a broken record going on tour, talking about sexism, punk every night, and you got dude bros, bro dudes coming up and saying some fucked up shit, and you get exhausted and just stop calling them out on their stuff, which felt, which is wrong to do, which I understand that as well. You, know, you just get tired and you're just, you know, you're done with that. And yeah, like like you said, there's a little bit of that. Time to that in the song. In the song we're singing, if there's no one listening, And like that, like, you know the words, you know every verse, you know what's right and wrong. That's what makes this even more like completely just weird. You know, what are you sure of? What are you doing? And you know why the words hurt, because you are obviously blatantly ignoring them. And you thought you were the first person to get the understanding of this. Like, oh man, I got it. But no, no. So I think, yeah, on Rich's point, the kind of hinting and playing at that here, hence the title of the song, In One Ear, right? Out the other.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's, you know, I, I don't I don't like to talk to people, you know, I don't like to gatekeep fandoms or anything like that, so I don't like to kind of correct people. But it must be must be so frustrating as an artist to be trying to get a message out through your music and it falling on complete deaf ears. Or you know, the the only other thing I can think of like as as a similar thing that comes straight to mind is. Like you get Rage Against the Machine, people talk about Rage Against the Machine and all of a sudden they're going like, oh, I didn't know they were like anti-government and stuff like that. When you get kind of probably more right-wing fans or right-wing individuals listening to them and it's kind of like, did you really not read the lyrics or listen to the song? (laughs) Like, what are you doing? (laughs) What, What machine do you think they're raging against?
0: Yeah. I mean, I know I've been really burnt out. Like when you're someone from a marginalized community and you're having to just constantly like fight for people to respect your basic identity, it it gets really exhausting. And I know in the past few years, I've been really burnt out about it. I was really, really vocal for a long time to the point where I felt like i was being an asshole and so i've scaled myself back a lot about it but it's like no matter how loud you yell about something sometimes people just are not going to listen regardless and yeah i mean it 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 is exhausting. And I know that I definitely have changed my tune a lot. I mean, partly because I think that there's a better way to get people to listen to you when you're not necessarily screaming at them. (laughs) But I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just... It definitely, I, I understand the sentiment of in one ear and out the other, where you're just saying the same shit constantly, and it never feels like you're done saying the same shit.
1: Yep. Thousand percent. Second like that. in the August, you know, like, like, whether having to constantly say the same thing to validate my identity, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm Black, my family's from West Africa, I'm Liberian, and like, validating why I'm here at this, you know, at this rock, at this punk show. Where there's like two or three other black people. Like, I can be here. This, this, I don't know why you're coming for me at this. Uh, please don't say that word. Please don't say those things. You know, I'm sharing the space. And just, you know, to constantly, constantly, constantly rehash it. And at times you get tired. You get numb. Like when I was working at Arcade Odyssey, I was like, you know, this local arcade here in Miami. You probably heard, I probably mentioned a couple more times on this podcast. Like, I've seen and heard some things those two years and just... Hearing things as if like there aren't other like black people in the room, you know, hearing words from like just some really, really ignorant things blatantly open. And I could and I should be like, hey, don't say that. But like at the time I just heard hear stuff so often, I'm like, I just what's the point of me singing my song if they're not listening again and again? And I don't want to have another stupid fight argument while I'm on my shift. You know, this is a 12 hour, 14 hour shift on Friday. It's like it's 1 a.m. I have one more hour left. I. Can't be bothered to deal with that. And yeah, just finding better ways and other ways to go about that is hard. That's
0: what makes this worse. So fucking absurd. You have never been so sure about anything.
2: I mean, it's still an absolute bop of a song.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For sure.
1: Incredible song. An incredible song. But yeah, I think we've gone. I think we've ran the gamut on that track. I think we can go on to second to last track. The album track nine. Busted Makes Me Feel
2: Good.
0: What a ridiculous song title.
2: (laughs) I mean, it's a ridiculous song title. And I I probably like, we're saying that every, I do do really love every song on this record, but it's still probably the weakest song on the record for me. Just kind of just before it kind of gets to its finale. So, yeah and again it's got like i mean it's good that it's got a slightly different feel to it like i do feel i sometimes kind of walk in thinking "Oh, iron Sheik," all their songs are kind of very similar but then when i listen to this i was actually know there's a different pacing to it and you know it has a bit more this is definitely on their more kind of their more melodic side but i mean i, I still really like i still really enjoy it it's still a great sing-along kind of song is
1: the slowest song on the album Great transition from Ausnificent into it. But yeah, it's very much you know heart and sleeve. Like we don't need to believe in a God to get us to point A to point B, right? As a God he hates us. It was a god he hates us, but we're not superstitious, so we don't give we don't give a damn. We don't fucking care. And I like how the woes are inverted on the pre-chorus, because the pre-chorus starts, whoa, but that that's just the start. It's just a small part, another whoa. Of what makes us who we are.
2: Yeah, I, I really like it as like almost like a you know how they a template for how they kind of get protest out through their music and through their words. So it's you know that chorus of we make our intentions clear, we choose our words carefully, we don't believe everything we hear, we still have some noise to make is like you know a kind of a real statement of intent for really what I think Iron Cheek are all about with their, their lyrics when they are talking about those bigger those bigger topics those wider topics.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: That's a pretty good point. Also, come on. Busting makes me feel good. Weird title tr- newer
2: title put in, but Ghostbusters, man.
0: <laughs> is that what it's about?
2: It's from it's from the uh, the lyrics of the Ghostbusters song. Yeah. Um what's his name? Ray. Is it Ray? Um Who sings it? It's Ray Parker Jr.
1: That's it, Ray Parker Jr., yeah. Yeah. And the chorus, that song, you're like, Bustin makes me feel good. Yeah. Which don't understand the connection, but I love it.
2: Maybe that's why they came up with it. Because the end is all about yeah, defend against the hordes with rusty shields and broken swords. Maybe oh. that was that's that's the uh, the imagery they were going for. Oh,
1: that's a good point. We'll always know that we will never be. It's funny saying you know, we'll never be. We'll never be alone. Right after saying like, if God exists, some people you know you say that you're not alone because God exists. But if you're questioning that. Are you never alone because of that or because of the people around you? You know, if you have the people that also the same intentions and care and care, I think it's just interesting, like juxtaposition there.
0: Yeah. I like just thinking about it being, I like just thinking about it being the people that are around us and that's why the, that's why we're never alone.
1: Mm, That's good. That's good too. All
0: right. Are we ready for the last track?
1: Yeah, I think we're ready to lay into it.
0: All oh, right, the final track on this album, Every Town Has an Elm Street.
1: Another movie reference, Nightmare on Elm Street. The song picks up right at the beginning as bus and end slows down into it, and it's like a bigger song looking at what is home, right? We go somewhere we stumble, we stay here, we stumble, and that cycle doesn't end, but wherever we find ourselves, uh, like home is where the heart stays. Like home is whatever you make it, whatever you make of it, and you can always take solace in that.
0: So I I don't think that I have ever seen Iron Sheik outside of Fest. And I've probably seen Iron Sheik almost a dozen times at this point, but it's always been at Fest. (laughs) And so whenever I hear the line, home is where we are today, I always think that they're talking about Fest specifically. (laughs) (laughs) That makes my heart feel so good.
2: I think it's, yeah, I think it's funny because, again, I've I've said this about a couple of the songs as we've gone through, like the juxtaposition of it all. And I really feel like this one has got that... I absolutely agree with you. Like, you know, especially... You know, this song for me has a couple of bits of like seeing it live and that feeling of being at home. And yeah, I mean, I guess I've seen Iron Sheik the most at first. I think I've probably seen them a couple of other places, August. But like, you know, is that just position at the beginning of it. It's kind of almost a bit of like, and even the title, Every Town Has an Elm Street, it's kind of, well, you yeah, know, Every Town Has an Elm Street. There's a bit of, futi- there's a bit of futility built into the, well, if Every Town Has an Elm Street, Every Town Could Be a Home. And it's, mm-hmm. I, I really love that. And then I guess the other one is... I just got really like strong memories of like myself and my friend Matt from from the Netherlands, kind of driving along long highways when we were road tripping towards Fest from from further north in the US this year, and absolutely both of us belting this song out as we were driving along the highway. And it's like, well, oh, you know, he's one of my best friends on earth, and you know, singing a song about feeling where home is where the heart is, kind of feeling of being with him was like, yeah, really, really strong for me as well. Of like, well, yeah, I'm. Home, because I'm with one of my best friends, and I feel safe.
0: Yeah, that's really special.
2: Yep. Doesn't matter where
1: you two are, that's home, right? Yeah, for sure. Just hearing when the song starts, and just the first line took the first fucking chance to get out of town, it picks off where QC Monster Man left, having just insanely like singable sing-along intro verses that brings everyone Everyone together in that end. Uh, I kind of see this song as like a piece to a Time Cop, right? Where no matter how much time has passed or where you are, home is what you make of it and with who you have around you. No matter how much, you know, sand in the hourglass is gone, it's uh it is fest in a song. It's fest in a song.
2: Yeah. Again, this is another one like, whenever i see them play this live there's always a bit like yeah again catharsis in singing it and it always you know you get to the end and it doesn't matter how tired or sweaty you are you are still like absolutely feeling this song million percent
1: it's like leave it all on the floor because you don't you don't have a choice <laughs> when the song comes out oh, you don't have a
2: choice
0: all right well do we have any final thoughts on iron chic do we want to talk about i don't know anything that we haven't said already
2: I mean, I could I could talk about their other records at length as much as as this. Like, <laughs> you know, I know I know when we were first talking about doing this, it was kind of like, which record are we doing? And I I remember I was just saying I will happily do any of them. And I, and I you know having kind of listened back to all the records fairly recently, I'm I'm like, you know, they're just such a good consistent band. Like they don't put out a bad record. You know, it's like for me yeah just incredibly consistent and they don't you know the fact that we're talking about this as I was saying earlier, and we're you know almost fourteen years after this kind of well, we're 13 years getting towards fourteen years since this record came out, you know a couple of the songs were on the two thousand eight demo that they did, and you, you know they the message is still there, they still sound fresh, they still sound important as songs like you know huge 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 praise for the band and you know forever think that you know if 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 they're on a on a festival or i get a chance to see them you know i jump at it where it's possible
0: yeah
2: this album not like this is a landmark album from a landmark band
1: uh it's impressive i know with um letterman they also had an album another important you know pop punk album and such and uh still have important songs and important albums on a completely separate project you know similar same members or whatnot is incredibly impressive you know after almost I've almost disbanding breaking up before the first album even came out and they still strung along and doing things earnestly, doing things DIY and keeping that solid, uh, solid core and solid fan base. They, this album really is like a, a a blueprint, you know, look at it. If you have any questions about lyric writing, songwriting, you know, metaphors and how to get your message and things to pop vocal delivery, playing with your voice and playing with words and just the sound. Like how do you, like what type of sound do you want to get on your instruments, and how do you want that to mesh well? Like this album is is such a good, it's a killer. It's it's, it's like it's like a book to read. Every time you listen to it, it's like you're reading a book again, right? It's just a great album to look back, and it's an album that I'm glad we have just in the world, right? Because there's a again, there's a very close chance that there was not have been Iron Sheik and there would not have been not like this.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, like we mentioned earlier, they're a very quintessential fest band. I think if I was going to try to introduce people to what fest sounds like as a genre, this would probably be one of the albums that I would point to.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure.
0: All right. So before we wrap up, what is everyone listening to lately?
2: so i'm i'm trying to kind of get run through a load of kind of back catalog of stuff that has come out this year that i haven't listened to yet but i guess kind of like my most played things recently are probably tired radios ep from out from this year i mean they are my friends mm-hmm. from long island so you know another long island band if we just talk about iron chic their uh, their ep is called lousy thanks it's really really good couple of like songs that absolutely hit you and kind of yeah we, we talk about heavy, heavy lyrics if you like heavy lyrics go v- give it a listen i guess a couple of uk bands to represent since I'm, I'm from the uk my friends in goodbye blue monday play kind of uh, what they call misery punk so if you want to listen to a 15 minute pop punk song about somebody trying to kill themselves go listen to that it's it's brilliant but it's pretty dark as well as well i think kind of a couple of the uk bands who played fest this year um sunliner have just put out a new record and it's really really strong so yeah i guess go listen to that and uh yeah i'll give my friends in burnt tapes a shout out as well i always listen to their record and they've they've got hopefully got some new stuff coming out next year hell yeah
0: so Natu and I were talking about how we went to see the Hot Mulligan tour with Heart Attack Man and Spanish Love Songs over the weekend. And the opening act for that tour is called Ben Quad. And they were, they were really fucking good. I'd never listened to them beforehand, but their lead guitarist was absolutely insane. Like, I mean, everyone... Crazy everyone was just so stoked on him and uh, when when i saw them in orlando they they were having a bunch of technical issues with their guitar i think like the A string broke on the guitar, and then they were having to reset up and everything in the middle of the first song. And but everyone was going absolutely wild anytime they were playing on the guitar. It was so good. Like, and they they just had a really good stage presence too. Yeah, no,
1: they were fun, engaging. I saw them in Fort Lauderdale. No Spanish love songs, unfortunately. Van transmission issues, and some some people in the crowd were just shouting out for some reason. They're shouting out like, "Twist his, rip his dick off!" Like. Grab his dick and pull For some, yeah, in the crowd, like while Ben Quad's playing,
2: I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's a meme.
1: I, I know, like I know that meme. I don't not. I don't think it has any relation to Ben Quad but the 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 lead singer he's just like whoa these southern states are freaking crazy man i love this i was like okay that's great okay and the crowd responded well to that obviously and like they got funny little interlude like songs in between tune up they're playing um what was it called electric zoo from popularized by spongebob and we had like a dance pit going on and they're like yeah keep that energy up for the next song they were really great i bought a shirt you know the shirt says, Ben Quad, um, twenty eighteen, Butt Rock and Midwest Emo, and yeah, that lead guitars. That was big. shout outs to Ben Quad. Please come back to Florida. Please grace our state once again.
2: Just get on fest. Just just play the next fest. I've not managed to see Ben Quad yet, and I had a few friends go see that tour that you guys have gone to see recently. Mm-hmm. And when I found out Ben Quad were playing, because we were lucky enough to have Spanish Love Songs and and Hot Mulligan come over to the UK early this year and really great show. And then I think in January or February, we've got Heart Attack Man and Spanish Love Songs coming across again. So we've we've kind of got all parts other than Ben Quad and I, I I was I know when I made like my best of 2022 releases playlist I had Blood for the Bloodguard by Ben Quad on it because I just thought that the record was so good so I'm I'm kind of jealous that you guys have managed to see Ben Quad. <laughs>
1: nah, don't. <laughs> nah, I hope you get to see them soon. Whether it's next Fest or somehow they come over to the UK or you come here like they are that is a must-see live band. Their stage presence, they're tight, playing live. And yeah, that lead guitarist, that homie is a force, a force in nature. So sick. Real quick, another album that I'm listening to, Flying Raccoon Suit dropped their second album, Moonflower. That is phenomenal. Easily one of my albums, like top three albums of the year it's a ska ska punk record but you have a lot of gulf coast new orleans jazz influence on there they go through you know you have emo like ska and emo mixtures on some songs and then you have the song long in the tooth it's a five minute ska and thrash metal song that is is you just have to listen to it like it just starts off slow it picks up and then it just the freight train just hits you for the next like four minutes of the track and it's badass highly recommend the whole moonflower album definitely listen to a long in the tooth and, see, and listen to what i'm saying like you'll see
0: all right well thanks for joining us everyone if you'd like to follow us on facebook or patreon we're there at best friends forever we're on instagram at Fest friends forever pod and if you'd like to reach out old school you can send an email to best friends forever pod at gmail.com thanks for listening <laughs> bye